it's not you just hiring the right person, it's that person also hiring you to be part of an organization. And if they're going to join an organization, they want to believe in it, uh, they want to see it, they want to be part of something special. So having that person involved and having touch points throughout their career is, is important. Want to boost your productivity and decision making? Get vital insights from each episode delivered directly to your inbox. A great resource whether you've listened to the episode or not. Go to benfanning.com slash insight. Welcome back to Lead the Team with number one best-selling author and in-demand corporate trainer, Ben Fanning. On this podcast, the world's most innovative senior leaders share their top success strategies to motivate your direct reports, cultivate your top leaders, and accelerate your career. Let's get started. Here's Ben. Hello, everyone. We've got a treat for you today with Craig Ehrlich, who's the president and CEO and investor of Friendly's Restaurants, as well as advisor to the board of Bricks Holdings, where he previously actually served as the president and CEO. Friendly's, in case you're not familiar with it, is a restaurant chain founded back in the glory days of 1935 and known for its burgers and milkshakes. Yum. They have 135 locations. He's also held leadership roles at CVS, Joann's, and KB Toys. Craig also sits on the board of Easter Seals in North Texas and has been affiliated with, with Easter Seals in one way or another for the past 15 years, including being former chairman of the New York board. So Craig, welcome to the show. Hi, Ben. Thank you for having me. Yeah, good. And before everyone uh, joined here, we were just talking about a mutually fun trip down to Dallas during the last great ice storm that happened just a few days ago. But we're back tucked in, <laughs> back tucked in, thankfully, <laughs> safe and sound today. He's in New York, and I'm back in the Charleston office. So, Craig, what was your first job, and how does it influence your leadership today? Thanks, Ben. So I think uh, it's it's great because it was all full circle. Uh, my first job was actually working at a local restaurant. I worked in the uh, the kitchen. I started out as a dishwasher. Um, and then within about a week or so, I became a prep cook and then a line cook uh, within, within the month. So uh, I really enjoyed it. It was something... Um, that I got mm. to uh, to learn a lot within that uh, that time and and uh, seemed to gravitate towards all the inner workings of the uh, of the kitchen. <laughs> so so today when you visit a friendlies, you're like, yeah, let me go talk to the dishwasher, and you can actually get in their head or ask them questions because you've been there. Absolutely, I think you know the kitchen is is certainly the heart of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. um, that's where the magic happens. I mean, I think it's, it's also important, obviously in the customer facing, uh, positions and, um, you know, but I think, you know, when you look at the kitchen and the people that work, uh, mm -hmm. on the prep side equally as important. Yeah. So what do you, what do you think leaders miss when maybe they come in and they start too high? Like they, like they start at a certain level, but they don't have that, that ground level experience. I remember when I started out years ago, working for Russell athletic as my first job, actually out of college. Uh, the, uh, you know, I thought I would be as an in industrial engineer, I would thought I would be sort of doing analysis immediately and already in the office meeting and presenting and no, my boss sends me to the cutting and sewing line immediately and has me doing, you know, working with them at night and actually sent me to Mexico to work on the sewing line. So I understood <laughs> what it was like. And here you are, you know, starting out as a dishwasher. Uh, but, but what do you think? 
you know, what people miss there uh, when they, when they don't start at that bottom level? Well, I think it's, it's things that you learn along the way. Uh, so I'll give you an example of that first job. We had a chef that was, um, he was very critical of plating standards. Hmm. And to this day, I focus on the plating standards and what's represented to the customer. Uh-huh, he had okay. a strong attention. He had a real strong attention to hmm. detail. And I never understood why, um, you know, working in the kitchen, but um, then when you start to see later on, my, my job after that became a waiter. So it was, you got to see it uh, being made and then really the customer's reaction to it when it gets to the, to the table. So I think, you know, a strong attention to detail in the restaurant industry is really, really important. Yeah, there is a, there, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there is a saying, I believe that we eat with our eyes first, right? That's right. That's so exactly the plating right. is pretty darn important from that standpoint. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting too, because uh, even back to that experience and today, you know, you, you explain the why. So when the chef would tell us why the plating was so important, and then you got to see why, um, you know, it certainly helps when you're explaining things. So getting back to your comment about um, explaining what we want to do as an organization, whatever, whatever company I was in, um, explaining the why's and why it was important is, uh, is equally as important than just telling somebody what to do. Man, that you know, what, and, and that's a great strategy for a lot of things as a leader. If you want to retain your top people, if you want them to feel a part of your, uh, of your company mission, explain why their job is important. Cause it's way too easy. If someone's like the proverbial per, kind of low personal totem pole, maybe like an entry level job, they're washing dishes or, or whatever they happen to do. If they don't understand how they're connected to the bigger picture, you know, you're missing an opportunity. So I, I love right. that. Uh, I love that strategy. Now, what advice, you know, look, looking back over your long career, and I read out the long list of companies that you've worked for, right? Some really high, sort of high profile organizations from KB Toys to Joann's. I mean, people know these, know these companies. Um, but looking back, what advice would you give your younger self today? Or what's maybe something that you told them to try? Great, great question. I think um, for me, it was creating my own style. And I, I would attribute that to filtering. So when I was young in my career, I, I tended to take on the persona of my uh, boss. And uh, young enough, you don't know. So if your your boss or your manager is telling you something, um, and you have to direct to your team, um, there's a way that you have to communicate that. So I would say, you know, for me, I. Uh, as the years went on and my experience got more and more, um, you know, having that filter and having my own style and how to create that culture, um, getting, holding people accountable, but yet uh, keeping the energy high and making, you know, motivating your team was equally as important. And while my managers or my leaders that I worked for um, had their own style, I needed to create my own style. Um, to get the team to, uh, to perform as needed. Yeah. I love that. And, and, and if someone listening today, like if you internalize that message, it may give someone the permission to do something different, to be more innovative and creative than their managers. And I remember back in the day when I was in a, you know, we're working inside organizations and there is like a, a sort of natural, uh, bet, I guess, for people to emulate the management style of their manager, which can be good in one direction, especially if they're trying to sort of walk the talk and you know, set the tone for the organization. But also 
you don't want to limit yourself and your own capabilities. And this idea of that we all have the ability to create our own style, I think is pretty important. Yeah. And, and I think second to that, when I talk to folks that, um, you know, report to me or uh, colleagues that I work with, it's also important as a leader to know that I have to coach that as well. So what mm -hmm. I may say to them uh, from a high-end strategy, um, coaching them on how to, you know, work through their team, I think is equally as important. So we have to take both, both pieces of, uh, of advice. Yep. That's great. So in other words, you're not telling ever, you're not recommending everyone to go out and just to create a bunch of mini me's out there. That's right. Right. Encourage Certainly people. not. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, you know, that's our problem is how so many organizations with this idea of group think and people, you know, the, the idea of having a yes man or something like that on their team that just always says yes. And, you know, you want somebody to challenge you, but that's not always the most comfortable thing to have on your team. If someone's always playing the devil's advocate. So uh, it's a fine right. line, but yeah, no, I like the idea of, of having the courage to, to encourage people to create their own style, adopt it and, and bring it into work. That's, that's good. So let's, let's fast forward a little bit in your career. So we'll, we'll fast forward a lot in your career to today where you okay. are leading the charge over at friendlies. And in my research, I ran across an article that talked about you prioritizing meeting. I believe the number I saw was like a 90% of your employees as quickly as possible, which of course involved you traveling a lot during a global pandemic. I mean, you've got to be extra committed <laughs> to travel in that kind of environment and get it done. So what, you know, what was it that made that such a big priority for you? Well, a uh, great question. I think, you know, through the pandemic, if, if you think about Friendly's, Friendly's has been around for 87 years. Um, and we have a lot of long-term employees uh, and leaders in the organization. Mm -hmm. And they've been, you know, let's face it, you know, Friendly's in the past has been through some challenging times and, um, you know, leading up to the pandemic, which was the ultimate challenge, I think, for the restaurant industry. Yep. So it was important for me um, to directly mention and meet with all of the franchisees and the uh, restaurant level employees and, and corporate employees to to mm -hmm. relay the message of what, what we were planning on doing. And, and one of those messages was really trying to get everyone to think like a rookie. And uh, the piece, the piece I like about that is, you know, in all of my career, it's been, as I mentioned, a, a lot of turnaround situations or improvements. And people are reluctant sometimes when they've been around and they've tried things before and they didn't work in past times. And I think it's important when you <clears throat> think like a rookie, um, you don't have that experience behind you and you, you just go and put 100% into it versus we've tried this before, it didn't work, why should we try it again? You know, so you, you kind of go with your, your foot half on the pedal and uh, um, yep. what we really wanted to do you know, when you think like a rookie, you're all in. And, and um, I think that was the piece I wanted to make sure is, A, talk about the things we intended on doing um, and make sure that, A, my team was aware that we were going to do them and also uh, that we needed everyone uh, to mm. participate. This was not going to be a corporate um, turnaround or, or energy to the company. This is going to be uh, an all, all on blitz from everyone in the organization. So it needed to happen from day one. Yeah, I love that. And it reminds me a lot of something I heard recently 
So I interviewed uh, Megan O'Reilly, who's the COO of SAP, over at SAP. And during this interview, she, she said something about uh, having the memory of, or no, she's like, have you heard that the joke or whatever, that uh, what's the happiest animal on the planet? I was like, no. And she's like, well, it's a goldfish because it's the animal with the shortest memory. So you're not remembering the past. And apparently this is from Ted Lasso. Have you seen, have you watched Ted Lasso yet? Have you seen this uh, series? I, I have not, no, but okay, I, uh, well, I've been told about it. So Okay, I was list. told about it too. <laughs> and literally a, a, a sort of a side story here, no less than five people have emailed me about that interview and said, Ben, you know, one of the big things I took away from Megan's interview was that you haven't seen Ted Lasso. And that's a problem. <laughs> so we were commenting on that, but, but sure enough. So we went, so my wife and I watched the first season and I highly, highly recommend it. So, so he's a, sure. it's a funny story. And basically to sort of paint the picture on this quote, he's a, he's a soccer coach and he's trying to encourage these soccer players who have like when they miss a goal or they bring baggage from a team that they've been traded from, it's affecting their play. And so he's encouraging them to have the memory of a goldfish and not think about the past in that way, but just focus on the next play. Which uh, That's exactly right. That's great. Which is which is it's like perfect. you, right? Act like you're just playing the game for the first time. Get out there and uh, play. And so yeah. So uh friendlies has been through a lot of changes, right? At its at its like growth, like its highest number, there's probably like five hundred plus restaurants nationally, right? That's right. Yeah, more or less. And so now you're yeah. down to like a core 135 and you guys are coming in and working with the great talent that's there and looking to rebuild it. Right. That's right. And, and you know, there's three yeah. pieces, uh, three prong approach of what we needed to do, uh, in the yeah. organization, my partners and I have been involved in one way or another in friendlies, uh, over the years. And we, we knew that menu innovation had to be first and foremost, um, you know, the marketing messaging out to the customers mm -hmm. and then the new technologies. If you think of what technologies have been out there in the last, I'd say even two years, three years since the pandemic with, uh, the emphasis on off-premise dining and, and all the, um, you know, mobile apps and, and, uh, accessibility mm -hmm. to the, to the everyday folks. Um, it's important to bring that in and maximize the performance of those. So we took yeah. that approach. Give them the tools to be successful. We, I love it. That's right. That's right. So, um, and that's really what Friendly's is going to be. In fact, we have a new, uh, within the next two weeks, we're going to be opening up a new uh, type of location. It's the Friendly's Cafe. It's a, mm -hmm. a fast, casual model that we think because of today's uh, dining experience being, you know, 50% off premise and 50% mm -hmm. on in-house, uh, affording all of the new technologies and abilities to uh, to enjoy friendlies is is what we're all about, and you know that'll be the growth arm of of the organization. Yeah, it's, it sounds like an exciting time. And by the way, I'm looking forward to trying the Superman flavor of ice cream that you're introducing pretty soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fly, you want. fly in, Come fly out. <laughs> Absolutely, happy to have you. Yeah. So, all right. So let's let, let's break this down. Let's let's get into your leadership style background a little bit more here, Craig. So. Uh, let's start with what's the one trait that you wish you could instill in every employee and why do you think it's so important? Well, I think that, like I just said, I think the thinking like a, a rookie, I, having an open mind, I, I think it's important for them, mm -hmm. for everyone, including myself to question why, 
uh, question processes. Um, But I think it's also important that you, uh, everyone keeps an open mind and try to figure out um, the best decision possible. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. sometimes when you have a closed, when you have a closed mind, that doesn't really afford anyone um, uh, the openness and, and the opportunity for success. And I think that may be the, the reason for demise of uh, some of these other, uh, mm-hmm. you know, brands. So I think mm-hmm. we just have to keep an op- open mind and, uh, like I said, think like a rookie. Yes, change. The, the whole idea about change is being accelerated during the pandemic. I've definitely, I think so many people have seen that happen in, in just so many industries. And I, I think the th- thing about thinking like a rookie and maintaining an open mind has got to be a key success trait of successful leadership and being a great employee, you know, uh, during this dynamic time that we find ourselves in. Uh, yeah. And it's, and it's it. also yeah, good. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And, and it's also to further that it's, mm-hmm. it's thinking like a rookie being open, but also, you know, stating uh, your opinion or, or feelings on something too. So you don't want an organization that's a bunch of yes, yes people, um, because ultimately you want people to challenge each other. Yes, that I, I b- really believe that too, because they're going to spot something going back to the dishwasher analogy, right? Someone that's touching and feeling working with the dishes in that whole process and that part of the restaurant every day, they're going to have access to, to, to a perspective that people in other parts of the business aren't going to have. Right. And, and, and that's right. having them feeling comfortable enough to bring that to the restaurant leadership or wherever it happens to be. I mean, that's, that gives you a huge advantage out there versus the ones that just say, Hey, get back to doing your job. Don't question the status quo. That's right. So we talk a lot about in my organization about the catastrophic cost of turnover. And our research shows that this can cost organizations up to $235,000 per employee per year. When you include all the different factors, do you believe Craig that, that this turnover cost thing is something that organizations should be tracking? Absolutely. I think it's, uh, it's very important. Um, organizations don't run without, uh, without great folks. And I mm-hmm. think turnover is, is one of those things where um, you could certainly, you know, the car takes a detour uh, if you have too much turnover and you don't get to where you, where you want to go. And I think, you know, there's two pieces. It's, I hear everyone talking about hiring the right person. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. important. But you also need to make sure what you do with that person once they do join the organization, um, because this day and age, it's not you just hiring the right person. It's that person also hiring you to be part of an organization. And um, if they're going to join an organization, they want to believe in it. Uh, they want to see it. They want to be part of something special. So having that person involved and, and um, having touch points throughout their career is, is important, not just waiting for a, a uh, you know, one year review. Um, and that's mm. the only time that you provide feedback. Woo-hoo. Get a simple tool to approximate your cost of turnover in 10 seconds or less. Right now, go to benfanning.com slash turnover. Did you know the average cost of turnover is $235,975 per employee per year? If you're like most leaders, you don't know your number. Go to benfanning.com slash turnover right now and download the simple tool to start getting a handle on this catastrophic cost. 
Yes, indeed. And I love that you just said, it's not just you hiring them, they're hiring you, right? There's that. It is a, that, it's a reciprocal environment. And uh, yeah, it's, yeah, you can hire anybody, but, but can you keep them? And can you keep them engaged and working hard and, and uh, keep them in the job satisfaction category? Uh, when's the time? Well, how about, uh, so without, without including names, what's your most colorful story of when someone quit or was fired? Oh boy. Um, without naming names. So I was, uh, I had just joined an organization that was in a, a significant turnaround situation. Mm-hmm. And I started to travel with a district manager and, um, this person, you know, upon meeting them, uh, had started giving me all the reasons why things were the way they were. Now, this was an organization that was on the verge of bankruptcy. Um, you know, probably 85 to 90% of the organization needed to needed to turn over, uh, not just because of the skill, but, you know, more of the skill, um, mm-hmm. but not because of the, the will of the people mm-hmm. and, you know, significant turnaround was needed a- as soon as possible. And I traveled with this district manager and, um, I mean, the whole car ride, it took us about three hours to get to the first location telling, I don't think he had a positive word in his, in his mind. Oh, um, right. and <laughs> about ride. why things were. Yeah. And, and I'm starting to think, okay, well, I've, I've identified what the issue was. We get to the first location. Um, the, the store, it was a retail store, was a disaster. Um, the product was all over the floor, chaos everywhere, uh, mm. people out of dress code. Just really, uh, you want to you know why this company was on the verge of bankruptcy. I'll, I'll tell you, I saw it was in the first store. Yep. And yep. the general manager comes up to me and um, pretty abrasive, uh, even to me and, and pretty, pretty much was relaying the same message to me that the district manager was about, you know, that this is the best it's ever going to get. You know, we've, tr- we've tried so many different things. And, um, I said, well, do you think that you're capable of doing, you know, any more? Is there, is there anything we could do differently in the organization that we can get, you know, get it to a better place? And her comment back to me was, if you think that it's going to get any better than this and you can find somebody else to do better, uh, be my guest, but this is the best that it's going to get. <laughs> Talking so, about accepting um, the status quo. Well, at that point, it. the line was, that's right. And the line was crossed. And I said, well, I accept your resignation. So um, <laughs> right at, there in the story. At that point. Well, it's, it's about four, it was four hours into this, this trip where I heard uh, for three hours, I heard the district manager telling me how bad things were. And, um, and then the, the manager, you know, of course is telling me that it's not going to get any better. So I said, you know, I accept your resignation. I was very polite about it. Um, the district manager was, was challenging me in front of the, uh, employees. Mm-hmm. So the manager leaves, the manager leaves, had some choice words to me, which, you know, I am understandably was upset. Can I tell you though, the, uh, the entire staff came up to me and thanked me hmm. and said, you don't know how bad she was. She was abrasive. We wanted to go to HR. We had all these complaints and we just, and this was when in a really in a rural area. So it wasn't, there wasn't like, you could pull a manager from a, another location. This was 
30 miles away from or 40 miles away from the next location. Mm, so mm-hmm. the staff, the staff all came up to me and thanked me and said, you know, you don't know how bad it's been here. We, we loathe coming to work. Oh. And we had a great conversation. They all, I said, listen, if you guys can do me a favor and pitch in and run the store, we'll walk through of things we need to do. Now, at this point, I'm the region manager. I'm not the district manager. And the district manager was observing. It was still not arguing, was still challenging me on what just happened, even after hearing the staff. Hmm. Um, anyway, we find a manager. I showed him <laughs> how to, excuse me, how to find a, uh, a general manager. We went out. We, we found somebody that was fantastic. And um, anyway, we move on to the next location uh, the next day. Same thing happened. So at that point, after three, three locations in, um, we decided to part ways at that point as well. So, um, but good news is uh, the company had a 40% comp increase. Uh, the stock was at an all-time high, a, a, an impressive turnaround. And the, uh, the team, most of the team is still there today. No kidding. Is, wow. Know, this, is about, this is about 15, 20 years ago. So uh, very, very happy with the results, but it wasn't easy. Um, it was mm-hmm. a very challenging time, but you know, sometimes you just have to make those decisions if you want to make it better because the, the culture that was created by this, this leader um, was the reason why the, the company mm-hmm. wasn't performing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a, what a tough decision in a big moment, <laughs> but man, it sounds like it paid off. High, high dividends. Yeah. I, now I don't make, I didn't make my career doing that. That just happened to be a severe, you said the most colorful. So I, I <laughs> was the most, the most colorful. colorful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, man. So one of the things I read about, you know, your, your entry into friendlies though, is that you've been able to retain most of the employees in an environment where, you know, it's, it's, it's been tough to do that for a lot of restaurants. You know, what, what's been the secret sauce there? Well, I, I think it's a little bit of the, the initial uh, visits to mm-hmm. um, all of the restaurants at the beginning. Uh, my chief operating officer does the same thing. You know, we all, my executive team is always in restaurants. We have a great uh, field team. I think the, uh, obviously in 2021, there was that the great resignation challenge that everyone was, was feeling, um, you know, post pandemic or in the middle of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it's, it's always a challenge. I think one thing that we're doing now coming out of the gate in 2022 is I call it the, uh, the road show mm-hmm. and myself or my chief operating officer and my HR team, uh, is visiting every restaurant meeting with all of the employees. So we're actually going to, we're shutting down the restaurant for two hours, talking to all of the employees about, um, you know, what the company, how the company is doing, what we plan on doing in 2022. Um, I think, you know, just to re-energize everybody and that's on the heels of in November, we had a uh, restaurant conference with, we brought in all of the franchisees and the general managers and the corporate, uh, folks. And we had a, uh, uh, a very nice conference where we talked about all the things that we were able to do. Uh, many of the things that I said, we mentioned at the beginning of the acquisition, uh, we're done or we're in the process. So it gave everyone a little bit of sense of confidence and uh, commitment to the organization. So this one is now taking it to the next level of, you know, just reaching out to all of the, um, you know, corporate restaurants that, um, you know, meeting with all the folks there and 
You know, there's career paths, there's advancement opportunities, there's there's things that are happening in the organization that people want to hear. So it's important that we do that. Craig, one of the things that's really leaping out at me right now is we're in an age of email, right? And chat. You seem like a believer of delivering the message in person. Is that the case? Uh, most most often, yes. Uh, there are there are situations where you need to email and broadcast and conference calls, but you know, there's just something about looking somebody in the eye um, and and talking to somebody uh, that can't get lost on where we are today with technology. So I think it's equally as important to do that, um, and that's what we've done. Yeah, and, and that we would you put yourself in the road warrior uh, category? Um, probably 50, 50. I, I, I certainly enjoy my time in the restaurants more, uh, than the office. I'm, I'm certainly not a, uh, I, I enjoy the office less than really being out. And, uh, and that's been my whole career. I, I really enjoy being out in the field and talking to folks because they're the ones making it happen. So I can relate to that, by the way, nothing like being in person and delivering the message, looking at them in the, in the eye. What's one of, so speaking out there to people who, uh, maybe we're road warriors out there traveling a good bit before the pandemic. And now, you know, you, you were on the road a lot during the pandemic and now we, we sort of hopefully come out of it a little bit. You're still traveling. What, what's a key success strategy that you use to, to really balance family and work with, with travel? You have to have a very tolerant family. <laughs> no, <laughs> Okay. It's like hiring the right people, right? (laughs) That's right. No, my, my, uh, you know, I think, I think communication is key. Mm. Um, Mm -hmm. I've, I'm, I'm constantly in communication with my wife, my kids, um, you know, whether I love FaceTime and, and things like that. And, you know, I try to limit, you know, if I'm going to travel, you know, I try to travel two to three days, you know, two nights and I'm home for the weekend or I'm out. And, uh, and, and sometimes then, you know, it's involving them. Uh, mm. so I've brought my, I've brought my family on, you know, some business trips where whether mm-hmm. it's visiting restaurants or it's doing things that, uh, need to happen that are more of a, a relaxed yeah. environment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've included them in it and why not? I absolutely love that. And I'm always looking for an opportunity to bring my wife, but especially bring my daughter along. Cause my, my wife's a working professional. So yeah, has much flexibility in her schedule, but if I can bring my daughter along so she can experience what I do and see the passion, I think that creates such a positive model for her. And it also humanizes you, the leader. I mean, you probably blow people's mind when you walk in a restaurant and you're like, yeah, here's my family. <laughs> right. That's right. That's right. And, uh, That's exactly right. And, and my ch- and my, my family uh, does not um, give me an argument about going to friendly. They love friendly. So it's a, uh, it's a feel good moment for everyone. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, friendlies is definitely going to bring, yeah, excite the kids for sure. Right. And the parents, but get some, get some That's Superman right. ice cream. Uh, no. <laughs> sure. And, uh, so uh, when's the time you had an unexpected twist or failure in your career and how did it lead to your success or growth on down the road? So this was probably a personal experience, but um, many years ago, I, uh, I've always heard that the phrase that, you know, don't go into business with friends. 
Um, I think I, I didn't take that advice for myself once. And it was, um, I, I have an entrepreneurial spirit. So I was looking for an investment and mm-hmm. um, had an opportunity to go into business with a friend. This was more of a, a hobby. It wasn't really my career. Um, but thought that the, you know, this person was, was a like-minded person and, um, you know, had success in their career. And, you know, within, you know, the first week you realize that you're not, and, um, you know, there were some challenges there. And I think mm-hmm. one of the things that I, the learnings there, uh, the twist, you know, the, the business was okay. Uh, was it as successful as I've had in my career? No. And I think it's probably a little bit because there was a, a big difference in the way I, um, the way I operated and what the way this person operated. Mm-hmm. And I think the, and the learning was really, you know, setting the, the guidelines from day one. And the lines in the sand from day one mm-hmm. versus, you know, having them later. And I found myself, and again, this was a long time ago, but very uh, good learning for me because even when I hire someone, it's very important to um, communicate the expectations for myself and the expectations for that person. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, avoids, it, it avoids that mess uh, yeah. later on. Yeah, I, that is a really powerful story. I think a lot of people need to hear. And it reminds me too of an interview I once heard with Gary Keller. He founded Keller Williams. He said, you know, I don't have, I don't write agreements. I only write disagreements because that's only when the problems come up is when we actually need to look at the that's agreement. That's right. And, um, exactly right. Yeah. I've had a couple of, I have a couple of examples similarly. And the hard work is, Hey, look, you know, like as I did it later in life, I was like, look, you know, um, this may seem a little weird, but I'm an agreement guy and we're going to go through all these possible things before we even sign anything. Um, yep. and they're kind of hard conversations, but I'm like, man, you think it's a hard conversation now let's fast forward a year down the road and we have this problem and we don't have this clarified. You know, That's right. It gets weird. You, you, you spend, you spend more time on, on cleaning up the mess, uh, and dealing with the mess, um, mm-hmm. and disagreements than, then if you just get it out of the way at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Great example there. So and what are three, three success strategies that all employees need to understand? Well, I think number one is great listening. I think it's important mm-hmm. to listen all around you, especially for me. Um, I have a uh, pretty diverse uh, thinking executive team uh, and board. And I think it's, you know, to pay attention to what they're saying. So for instance, when we launch an initiative, Mm-hmm. It's essential to, you know, hear all the angles and, and our job is to poke as many holes in it. So by the time it does go to the street and to the customer, um, we feel really good about what we've presented to them. So I think great listening is, is first and foremost. Yes. I, I think one that I'm still dealing with, or I'm still challenging myself with is, is the ability to pivot. And, you know, this is something that, uh, like I said, it's, it's a constant, uh, as a leader, sometimes you have something in your mind and you just want to run with it, check the box and move on. Um, one of my partners is, uh, <laughs> he, he challenges me often on, on pivoting. And, you know, I think it's required to, to change and change course. I think a great example is through the pandemic. Um, you know, many restaurants did not buy into the off-premise business and they lost out on that, but mm-hmm. they, they did not pivot. They figured, you know, it's kind of that, that, that wait and hope 
that something's going to kick in. And sometimes you just have to make that happen. And it's your ability to pivot and you have to make those decisions um, and you have to make them real time. Mm-hmm. The, uh, and then the, the last, the third one is really communication focus. I think, you know, I always think of that image, you know, where there, there's one guy standing on one side of the nine and another guy standing on the other side, it looks like a six. And, you know, the ability to communicate is not just telling someone what needs to happen with detail. It's telling them the whys and telling them the, this is what I see from my angle. And it goes to, you know, communication is part of listening too, and understand where, where your audience is coming from. It's important to let them know where you're coming from. And then how you communicate that is uh, to make a great outcome is, is equally important. Yeah, some really great strategies there. And that communication side of it, there's no doubt that for most leaders, and it's funny because I was listening to this, I think the first step of communication is your first step, which is listen. (laughs) Great Mm -hmm. communicators listen first. And then um, your idea or your key strategy around pivoting is just so critical. And that was a big push during the pandemic. But I also think that communication has been really strained uh, for so many people during the pandemic because their teams were dispersed. The information coming into leaders also uh, not always clear because the, the, mm-hmm. the field is so dynamic. There's so much change going on, but that the ones who can really get a hold on their communication process, uh, I think are going to have, have and will continue to have a huge advantage out there. It sounds like y'all are on your way. Absolutely. So what books, podcast strategies, films do you recommend for someone in the C-suite or who's on a mission to get there? Two, two pieces that I've uh, used throughout my career. Uh, first and foremost is The Energy Bus by John Gordon. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. My favorite book. That. What's your favorite my, part my of that favorite book, book that resonates? It, it, it's really just about the, the thinking. Um, so when you think about the, the book, it's about, you know, really your, your perspective and your frame of mind is, is really mm. going to dictate what the outcomes are. Mm-hmm. So being that joy, the, the bus driver. So it's my job to be the bus driver and to make sure that everybody's on the bus in my organization and, you know, understanding when someone is not on the bus, how do I get them back onto the bus? Yeah. And, uh, and because back to my conversation I I had about my, you know, business with a friend, you know, dealing with the mess and the distractions, um, you know, puts you in a, when everybody's on the bus, you have so much more success and it's so much easier. So I think it's important for me to, to make sure that I remind myself to be the bu- the driver of the bus. Yeah. And what's the second one? <clears throat> so the, the second one, you might laugh at this one. It's an old war movie. It's, uh, it's with Gregory Peck. It's called 12 o'clock high. It's a slow movie. It's about three hours long, but I have to tell you when I saw this movie, I used to watch old war movies with my dad mm-hmm. and I remembered it. So I watched it a long time ago and then fast forward, uh, now I'm in the business world years later and I watched the movie and I said, wait a minute, this is, this is really about leadership. Hmm. And I actually showed this movie, um, probably for the last 20 years of my career to leaders that were on the, um, on the rise. Hmm. I, I make them watch it. I suggest they watch it strongly, but, um, <laughs> strongly and recommended we, to keep your job. You're watching this movie. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, but, but you know what? The feedback then has been hmm. always consistent. Wow. What a great movie. Uh, talks about two different leaders and two different results. And, you know, sometimes it's tougher at the beginning, but ultimately at the end, it becomes easier. So I, I highly recommend that movie to, uh, to anyone, uh, especially a young leader that's uh, looking to make a mark in their uh, career. Okay. Well, I'm going to watch that. Great advice. I've heard of this movie, but not through the lens that you're talking about it. So um, I better get a couple buckets of popcorn for a three-hour movie, but I can do it. It's, it's, a, it's a slow start, but I, I guarantee you, you'll probably have the same you know, outcome okay. uh, on, on, at the end. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. So let's uh, maybe one or two more here, uh, Craig. Uh, so what's, what's your tool or gadget that's continued, that's contributed to your success that listeners could purchase? It's, it's high tech. So you ready for this one? Yes. It's a legal note. It's a legal notepad. <laughs> so way too high tech. Um, for this next, ne- next to my nightstand. Um, mm-hmm. So I've had this for years where, and I do it in hotels as well. So you know, you wake up in the middle of the night and you just think about things. And oh, yes. um, if you don't write it down, you never go back to sleep and because you're, you're worried about losing the thought. So mm-hmm. a simple notepad always, always around you to write it down because <laughs> you also want to be here now. So whether you're in a restaurant, you're talking to somebody, you're in a meeting, it's so easy to get distracted. Mm-hmm. So if you write it down, you know that you can always come back to it. So whether it's, you know, at night or in a meeting or traveling, I think a, a legal notepad, uh, whether it's an iPad making notes or, or your phone, I think I, mm-hmm. I use a simplistic form of, of uh, a legal note because that's the one I've been using for so many years. Every day I have a list of things I need to do. It keeps me organized. It keeps me uh, thoughtful. If I'm, I'm not able to cross it off, um, it goes on to the next day to make sure it does get done. Um, yes. and then, you know, certainly like in the middle of the night, I think it's important to write down those ideas. I have a similar process and that waking up at 2 AM or three with, with an idea that I didn't get down. I try to get my ideas out of my head at the end of the day, but it's yep. just like, something's going to come up usually. And one of the problems that I struggle with is that my wife is sleeping next to me and she does not appreciate it when I turn the light on or when I have turned the light on to write it down. So I've got one of these pilot pens. Have you seen those? Do you use those? Mm-hmm. Yep. It, yep. Is that what you use in the light in the night to, to write the idea down? Um, well, you know, I, I, you, usually the TV is left on okay, uh, by my right. wife. So, so there's a lot, which by the way, which by the way, is, is always the news, which I wake up angry, but, um, usually <laughs> when, when, when you listen to the news at night, but, um, the light, the light's usually on enough where I could just scribble something. So I don't have to turn on the light, but God, I, I do okay. know the light, uh, the pen light that you're talking about. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of research around that idea about getting the, the loops out of our brain and onto paper. And uh, how it does provide more organization, but it also helps you de-stress because you're not having to carry those ideas around in your brain. Uh, I think it was David Allen that said our brain is a uh, is a factory, not a warehouse. It's not meant to keep ideas locked away in there. That's right, and and it helps you. There's a Sendelaney concept that says be here now. Mm. So you know the saying usually. You're, when you're at work, you're thinking of the family. When you're with the family, you're thinking about work. And, and it's, yeah. it's a tough 
challenge to do that. But, you know, the more you write things down, uh, I find it gives me the ability to, to be present. Yeah. I love that. So wrapping this up, Greg, what's a parting thought or maybe something that we didn't get to that, uh, you want to make sure that, uh, that you mentioned here. I think, you know, when you, when you're looking to talk to young leaders, um, it's important to, if, if they have ideas, you know, sometimes there's too much uh, bureaucracy in, in organizations. And I think making sure that ideas, you know, flow up and down, um, mm. you know, sometimes you, you, you're in organizations where, you know, ideas will just flow down. Um, I try to create a, an organization that, you know, has ideas all around because you never know. Uh, like I said, I like to spend a lot of time in the restaurants because some of our best ideas come out of there. In fact, the uh, the Fribble uh, was created in a restaurant. It was it used to be called the Awful Awful, awfully good, awfully tasty. And uh, an a store team member came up with the name of the Fribble. And um, you know, so you think about your best ideas. So when people are trying to present ideas, you want to poke as many holes in it, knowing that you know it might not get past the sniff test. But I think mm -hmm. it's important to. Uh, to have organizations that are free flowing like that. Uh, that's what really leads to success, I think. Man, great one to close out on, Craig. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Ben. If you're an executive at a crossroads in your career and thinking about quitting, do this before you do anything else. Head over to benfanning.com slash quit to receive a free signed copy of my number one best-selling book, The Quit Alternative, The Blueprint for Creating the Job You Love Without Quitting. You'll learn the critical questions you must answer before you make such an impactful decision. Go to benfanning.com slash quit to get this valuable resource for just the cost of shipping. Ben Fanning is a number one best-selling author, Inc. Magazine columnist, and CEO of the Fanning Group, an international consultancy and corporate training company. To learn how they can help your organization, go to benfanning.com.